Hi everyone. I am really honored to be able to share this next interview with you. Today's interview is with my friend Andrea Sword. She and I met about 10 years ago when we were both in seminary in Southern California. Andrea was working on her degree in marriage and family therapy and preparing to serve overseas. Andrea had grown up in Guatemala and is now living in Cambodia and throughout her life and career she has had a desire to work with and serve people who have been affected by by terrible and devastating events. Andrea is now herself a survivor of an incredibly devastating event. As you will hear in her interview, she talks about the loss of her son in a car accident five years ago. I feel a particularly deep connection to Andrea's story. We have a lot of um, vocational interests in common, but we were also pregnant with our first children at the same time and got to share in each other's joys as we were looking forward to what it would mean to become mothers. This conversation with Andrea reflects a tremendous amount of suffering and loss, as well as her sheer determination to be grateful for the grace of each day and her desire to let new life flourish, even in the midst of heartbreak and pain. Andrea and her husband, Scott, are now the parents of a 10-month-old son, so I hope you have the opportunity to take this in and really hear Andrea tell her story. Thank you so much for listening to Parenting Reimagined. This is Parenting Reimagined, a place where the conversation goes beyond what we do as parents, and we take the time to consider what parenting teaches us, how it transforms us, and what being parents means for the landscape of our inner lives. I am Sherry Walling. My name is Andrea Sword, and my husband Scott and I are um, here, li- are living, serving here in Cambodia as missionaries. Um, I have two children. My oldest son, Isaac, had died five years ago when he was a year and a half. Second son, Zachary, is nearly 10 months old. What have you enjoyed most about being a mother? Uh, my experience so far has been pretty limited to the has been limited to the the young ones, so I feel kind of partial to them at the moment. I love having cute little babies to, to hug and cuddle and kiss, and um, I love kind of watching their personalities unfold and watching them just be fascinated with the most mundane things as they're exploring their their world and I also love being the stationary object as in their lives as they're kind of starting to reach out and explore I like that they still want to come back and give mom a quick hug before trying to toddle off to the next thing enjoyed pretty much all of it except for the the lack of sleep. (laughs) 
Is Zachary doing anything right now that you're really enjoying? Oh, he is doing so much. He is hilarious. He he loves to grab one thing in each hand, particularly pairs of shoes. So he'll hold, he wants to grab one shoe in each hand, and then he just clomps around the house and tries to climb up things with both shoes, you know, with a shoe in each hand. He's also learning about his voice and he likes to sing. So when we have music on or he hears, he hears music, he'll start to sing in this really high little soprano voice. He'll just kind of babble and it's so cute. Sounds delightful. He is. <laughs> so, um, you know, in your introduction, you talk about your three children and each of your children is in sort of a different state. One who has passed away, and I wonder if you would be willing to talk about your experience losing Isaac. We, we lost Isaac in a car accident um, about five years ago, and what had happened is at the time, Scott and I were actually preparing to come to Cambodia and had uh, gone to uh, a training program for a few weeks before we flew out to Cambodia. So it was our, our last Sunday there, and um, we were going to church with three friends and Isaac in the car, and on our way there, an uh, older older man driving his car next to us. He lost consciousness and lost control of his car. Uh, it hit us. And when our car stopped, uh, our two friends who were on the right side of the car had died already. Um, Isaac had sustained a really serious head injury. They were somehow able to resuscitate him and airlift him to a, a children's hospital nearby. He died the next day. The three of us seated on the left were all very injured. I lost consciousness when we were hit, and I was out of it for a month. My first memory is a month later, Scott sitting down with me in the hospital and telling me that Isaac had died in the accident. So from that point on, um, I was beginning to recover physically. I had also had a head injury, so I lost a lot of memory. And so as I was trying to piece things back together, um, I was also trying to incorporate the fact that um, my son was gone and I wasn't a mom anymore. You've essentially lived through one of the worst things that I think any of us can imagine experiencing in a, in addition to your own, you know, body and mind being um, pretty injured, very seriously injured. As you think back on those, maybe even the first six months or the first year, what, what held you together? Oh, um, honest, like very, very, very honestly, I, 
I couldn't talk to God for a long time. I in thinking about this, um, I think the best analogy is I was probably very much that man on the mat who was paralyzed and whose friends carried him and laid him before before Jesus' feet because I um, I couldn't get myself there. I sh- I know I should have died and. I think the fact that I even survived and let alone continue to recover to the extent that I did really is a testament to the power of so many people praying for me and and keeping me before God. I think on a much more pragmatic response, I, in many ways, I was probably protected by the fact that I had had this brain injury and I was so seriously injured because the immediate trauma of the loss was so blunted and it came back so gradually. At the same time, uh, my physical recovery took so much energy and so much focus and so much work that it it was forcing me to be doing things. And, you know, it's one of those things where you just, you keep waking up in the morning and you keep having to get through the day until the nighttime. And so you just go one step at a time. And the demands on your, on your body just to recover and, and keep living were so much that it, it sounds like it almost distracted probably isn't the right word, but it almost gave you something you had to focus on other than this tremendous loss. Yeah. It took so much effort and so much concentration that I really did have to focus on something outside of myself and my loss. I think that that was, that was good for me. It's been just over five years. How has your grief changed over time? Probably the best the best way to answer that is is with a picture. Sometime in the first year after our accident, I was telling someone that it was as though it was like my life was a little garden. And in the middle of this garden was this big, beautiful tree. And somehow that tree had just been completely torn out, roots and all, like everything. It left this huge gaping hole in the middle of the garden. My garden effectively turned into this big gaping hole. I couldn't invite anybody into my garden without having them fall into the hole. Like that's the only thing that was there. Back then, um, I was telling this person that I, I knew that with time that my garden would, would continue to grow, that as I got older, as I had more experiences, that the garden would continue to expand and get a little bit bigger, and that it might still be hard to invite people into my garden without having them stumble a bit at the edge of the hole. 
but eventually flowers would grow again and grass would grow and there would be other places to walk around the hole and they wouldn't necessarily have to just fall into it. I feel like that's kind of how my grief has changed. In the first probably year and a half, my grief just felt all consuming. And then we moved to Cambodia and finally arrived in Cambodia in September of 2009. And, and so my garden started expanding a little bit. And then we started trying to have another baby and we kept trying and trying and trying and it was two and a half years. And, and then I would say that my grief was kind of complicated by, by fear, fear that I was, I not going to get to be a mom again. We've been so blessed to receive Zachary there's more life coming into my, my garden, or he's definitely brought more, more life. Life is just continuing to, to grow in my garden. And I think the shadow, the shadow now is that I'm, I'm seeing these other, you know, I've seen Zachary who I, I just love and he's never going to get to know his big brother here. And that makes me really, really sad. I still grieve Isaac's milestones. Oh, he would have learned to ride a bike by now, or he would have started kindergarten, started first grade. He'd be writing his name. And I I know that that's not ever going to, to go away. I've never heard that articulated that well in, in a sense of like, how it it remains with you but sort of changes shape over time and thank you for that I didn't ask you this in the in the notes so ditch ditch it if you don't want to answer it but I'm I'm just curious how um how you and Scott and your families you know continue to talk about Isaac or obviously Zachary's a little bit a little bit little but do you imagine a time when you talked to Zachary about Isaac? We've talked a lot about this. We have pictures of Isaac all around the house, and we will tell Zachary, you know, sometimes, you know, for looking at pictures, say, oh, there's your big brother. I don't know how it, how the big conversation is going to go when we have to start when he's old enough to start asking questions about how he died and why did he die and does that mean I'm going to die? We want him to know that Isaac is part of our family and always will be. And I think we're, you know, we're trying to do that even now. We had talked about on Isaac's birthday, like having some special little cake that we make every year and just, just, you know, so that his siblings know that, you know, today was Isaac's birthday and um, not making a huge deal out of it, but just that we still want to acknowledge, acknowledge that it was his birthday and that he was a special boy. On the anniversary of the accident, Scott and I have just kind of a, a special prayer that, kind of a liturgical liturgical prayer that he had put together that we we like to pray together. Before we had Zachary, I 
wasn't able to do a whole lot on that day and would just kind of spend the day looking at pictures and things. In some ways, that's a blessing of having having more kids is they don't stop and take a day off. And so it kind of keeps me keeps me engaged in life. As far as with our families, they are great about talking about Isaac. They always send us notes on his birthday, on the anniversary of the accident for Christmas. My parents always buy a lamb from Heifer International um, in his name and give us the card. Each of my siblings has a little stuffed lamb that they have bought and that they will put out under their Christmas tree just kind of as a way of, of remembering Isaac. I, I guess I've wanted to ask you a little bit about fear. You know, given my work as a psychologist, I know that, that fear is such a prominent experience after great loss. And I wonder if you would talk a little bit about how you manage fear. I don't know. How are you making peace with fear or how are you battling fear? How do you think about fear, especially perhaps fear for, for Zachary's well-being? Yeah, that's a really big one. Probably the best answer to that is to quote um, both of our parents, actually. When people would ask them how, would ask my parents and Scott's parents, when people would ask them how they were able to go ahead and let us come to Cambodia after everything that had happened, they would answer, The worst thing that could have happened, our greatest fear, happened here in America a week and a half before they were supposed to go to Cambodia. So keeping them here in the States is no guarantee of their safety. Yeah, I think that that probably (laughs) sums it up. Am I fearful? Do I struggle with fear? Yes, on a whole host of, of levels. However, I think that on February 3rd, 2008, I had every single thing in my hand taken away, except for my husband and, and my family. I lost Isaac. I lost my health. I lost my body as I had known it for a year. I lost my voice. All I could do was whisper. I lost my future plans. I had lost my job, my community, my home, my independence. And I think that as, as things have been restored, I do see myself holding them with a more open hand, just because there's a whole lot more of a sense in me that I really don't have control. And I really like control. I like doing things the way I want them to be done. I like to be careful. Um, I was so careful with Isaac. I did everything that you were supposed to do. He was in his car seat, but even car seats can't protect a little boy's head when a car goes rolling 10 times down a freeway. Am I careful with Zachary? Yes. But I... I don't know that this is a very helpful answer, but I think that the bottom line for me has been that I I lost so much that I realized it really is all outside of our control and everything that we have received 
really is all grace. And so each day that I have with my son now is great day that I can live independently and function on my own and wash my own dishes is grace. As much as I want to think that I've lost one son and I'm not going to lose another, I know that I'm not guaranteed a long life for Zachary. And I know that I'm, I'm not necessarily guaranteed that I'm going to get to live independently for the rest of my life. And so I just try to accept each day's gifts as God's grace for, for this day and, and keep Zachary surrendered to God. Yeah. Uh, Surrender him to God and cuddle him a lot. So you have joyfully welcomed him into your family. What is he teaching you about about motherhood? You know, I think with him, I have been so much, I have learned so much more the lesson of how humbling it is to be a mom. The realization that only I am this little one's mom and no one else can can take that can fill that role i i think i feel it more deeply than i did even with isaac my body was left pretty scarred after the accident and in general i really don't worry about it too much but i still do find it amazing that this sweet little man just wants he wants me to pick him up at night and to feed him in the morning and to give him hugs when i'm busy and he doesn't care if I have scars running down my arms. And he doesn't care if I brushed my hair that morning yet. He just wants me. It's helped me to realize that that's how I feel about my mom. But I love her because she's my mom and no one else is or can be. She has been an amazing mom. But my love for her is because of who, who she is and not how perfectly she cleans the house. And I think for me, since I've always been so achievement oriented and that it's a lot harder these days to achieve everything that I want to that yeah that that just that means a lot I feel my weaknesses and my lacks a lot more around this time with Zachary but I'm also a lot more aware of the fact that my role in his life is irreplaceable um, because of who I am been realizing that there are a lot of moms who can't do everything that other moms do, but that hasn't stopped them from being amazing moms whose children don't have a single doubt about how loved they are. I hope I can be one of those moms. So, yeah. Uh, What's Zachary teaching you about God? Oh, God knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he has he has taught me that God knows what he's doing. You know, we waited a long time for him and it was a hard wait. I am grateful that I had the chance to get settled here in Cambodia and to focus on learning the language for welcoming him into our lives as well. He is, I am an introvert and quite happy to just kind of stick around the house. Zachary is very social. <sighs> kind of forces me to, to get outside my comfort zone and to go out and expose, you know, have him be 
around people. He's been he, he's been a joy from the get-go. However, he has not slept. And so in our first, you know, in our first many months here, he did require so much of me, really forced me to to ask other people for help, which as I just said, like I don't really like to do. And so I, I think those are all things that God has really used to grow me. So say a little bit about life in Cambodia. Oh, it's never, never a dull moment. <laughs> Last summer, we moved to a new town. Uh, it's a provincial capital, but it's not a very big provincial capital with the goal of church planning. Scott and our teammate are just kind of working on building relationships in the community and starting Bible studies of people who are interested and looking for ways to connect with people. So daily life for me, well, we're in town, so we have electricity, which is a huge blessing. In theory, we have running water. It is on. You know, who knows? <laughs> it's on here and there. There's a market in town, but there's not like uh, American grocery stores. So either I go to my, either I go to the market. I have a house helper who comes at three mornings a week to help me clean, or she'll she'll go to the market for me. But that's a pretty much daily trip. Food preparation just takes a really long time here. Everything has to be cleaned and you don't have all of your canned stuff. So you have to make everything from scratch. So my day is kind of Zachary and washing diapers and making food and doing laundry and <laughs> going out to visit neighbors and getting him out of the house and trying to build relationships in our community. And What's it been like to have a, a little baby in Cambodia? And you didn't, you gave birth in Thailand, right? Yeah. Is that? Yeah. Okay. And then went back to Cambodia when he was an infant. Uh-huh. Yeah. We, most expats in Cambodia do go to deliver in Thailand because Cambodia has one of the highest um, maternal death rates. So if you have the option of better medical care, people usually try to, to take advantage of it. So we came back when Zachary was a month old and then moved right up here to um, the city is called Bosa. And having a baby or even kids here in Cambodia is, it's fun. It, it really is never dull. Cambodians love kids. They love babies. They just can't get enough of them. They want to hug them and touch them and hold them and they want to give you advice and to give you advice about everything. They want to talk to you about everything. And so, yeah, sometimes sometimes my introverted self gets a little <laughs> gets a little tired of everyone loving Zachary so much. Trying to keep things in perspective, I think, you know, how, how wonderful is it for my son that he'll get to grow up in a place where he is so cared for by so many people. 
So, you know, for example, like you go to a restaurant in the States, if your baby cries, you kind of get a couple of dirty looks. Here, everybody like rushes your table and wants to take your baby and go play with them and make them stop crying and take pictures of them and take pictures with them and <laughs> show everybody that they're carrying your baby. And so people are, are very helpful. Kids are an amazing bridge into people's lives and into communities here. Um, people who wouldn't talk to me otherwise will. How is living in Cambodia influencing the way that you parent? Yeah, that's a really good question. On one hand, um, I have been influenced by some of the Cambodian parenting values. There's a very high uh, attachment parenting here. And, um, and so I think, you know, partly due to having a small house, but partly also due to the cultural influence. Zachary sleeps with us. Until recently, he generally slept in bed with us, and he pretty much nursed on demand all night. And that's a totally different experience than what I had with Isaac. <laughs> the other hand, I'm also influenced by the fact that there are parenting values here, which I don't want to incorporate at all. They don't really discipline their children until they're about three or four years old. I want to really make a strong effort to model consistency and communication and behavioral expectations, even starting now. We both really want to make as much of an effort as we can to help Zachary feel at home here. And so I try to take him out into our village pretty much every day, have him be exposed to the other kids. You know, they're mostly park kids and they play underwood houses. and. They're much rougher in their play. This summer, we'll be back on the States, and people will have swimming pools, and kids who are taught to play gently with babies and who have lots of toys. However, if I can, I hope I can help him to feel comfortable and in both places. So, yeah, but he's still so young that really this is all just theory. So I have to ask him again in 10 or 20 years how it's all going. Okay, we'll check in again. <laughs> As you look forward to the future, what are you what are you most excited about for your children, for Zachary and for any others who may join you? What are you most looking forward to for them? I'm excited to see what kind of people they grow into. I'm excited to see what kind of relationship they have with each other. What kind of relationship they have with God. I have three younger siblings, and I think one of the joys of my life is when we all get together. I love that we love each other so much and that we have such great times together. I really, really hope that my kids will have the same kind of a relationship and experience the same kind of support and enjoy from from being together as as I do with with my siblings. I really pray that they seek to follow the Lord and I'm excited to see what what that looks like for them. Mm-hmm. Well, we've talked about a lot and I just 
want to thank you so much for, for being willing to to do this and, and talk about your experience. Is, is there anything else that you want to say that maybe feels unfinished or I didn't ask you about that is on your heart or you're thinking about? I don't think so. I really appreciate that you're doing this because I think I think one of the things that I walked away from after our accident was realizing that you can't compare grief, that each person's loss is a very real loss in however they experienced it. And I think, I think in a lot of ways, as I've listened to some of the other interviews that, that you've been doing, I, it helps me to put parenting in that perspective too. That yes, there are commonalities, there are common feelings and there are common frustrations and common joys. But it also, in so many ways, is so personal. And it's fun to hear other people's experiences of it. And sometimes it's encouraging and sometimes it gives food for thought. And yeah, but it, I appreciate that it is so individual as well. And that you're seeking to, to bring those stories out. So yeah, that's all. Zachary is awake, so I should probably try to get back Go. out there. Okay. Well, blessings to you, and thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Take care. Thanks. You too, Sherry. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Parenting Reimagined. If you like what you heard, visit our website, parentingreimagined.org, and sign up for our mailing list. You can also like us on Facebook. Thanks for taking the time to be part of this community of parents who's committed to learning the deeper lessons of parenting. 